Well, who's ready for the word? I hope you are. Good morning. And uh, wherever you are streaming in from, whether that's locally, from across our state here of Tasmania, what a great state we live in, from across the nation of Australia, and of course, across the nations, wherever you may be streaming in, my name is Steve, and I'm about to bring the word uh, to you this morning. Um, But before we do, uh, we're experiencing something uh, like I've never experienced in my lifetime before, of course, but I'm telling you. God's grace is sufficient. His power is sovereign. He has been so good to us as a church. And so we certainly have all the reason to be encouraged. We have all the reason to be hope-filled. And we've got a reason to keep on keeping on. Why? Because we are the church. Do I hear an amen out there this morning in live stream land? I know I've got a few here this morning live, which is great. And so uh, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your church. We thank you for all that you are doing in and throughout the world. Father, these next few moments, I pray that you would speak only like you can. Turn our ears towards you, to hear your voice. Turn our hearts to you in this moment. Unite us, we pray, together. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. For you are my strength, and to you be given all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's people said... Amen and amen. Well, thank you once again for joining us. If you've got the Word of God before you this morning, feel free to open that. Grab your, your smartphones, your smart devices and things like that. Go to Version. Look up Door of Hope Christian Church and the notes and things like that will be there ready for you. We are in a series called People of the Fine Print. This is the fifth week of this series. And we've been studying the lesser known characters of the Bible. These are names that you may not be overly familiar with, but... But let's not forget the impact of their lives are both profound and powerful. And uh, a few weeks ago, I think it was about four weeks ago, where I started this series, I brought to you part one, the original gap filler. And uh, of course, I'm talking about Elijah, and I called him Elijah, no more gaps. I'll come back to that just in a moment. But just as a bit of a recap, uh, a reminder about this character, Elijah, he was a prophet. He was a prophet and sent on behalf of God, stood on behalf of God, called to stand in the gap for God. Between what? What's the gap? Between, remember, human brokenness and God's best for Israel. And so when Elijah was alive, there are a few things we've got to understand, culture and context. There are a number of evil kings at that time who reigned, in fact, spanned. Uh, 200 years, uh, about 19 kings all up. And so this was a a, a really dark time in history. Uh, There were a number of scandals, there was idol worship, and there was so much injustice in the land. And it had become the normal practice for Israel. And God said, enough. Enough is enough. Enough. And at the time of Elijah, we, the king that was reigning at the time, do you remember his name? King Ahab and his wife was Jezebel. Two very evil people, by the way. We have King Ahab and Jezebel. And these, this was Elijah's assignment. And so this gap between human brokenness 
and God's best for his people. With Ahab, Ahab on the throne was huge. It was too big. And so a gap filler, a gap filler was needed in the form of Elijah. And so the question we asked right at the start of this was, what can we learn then? What is it can we learn from Elijah's life as we seek to stand in the gap? And I said, I'm going to bring four lessons. I only brought two last time. Do you remember what they were? Well, let's do a recap just very, very quickly. But first of all, four lessons, two last time and two today. First of all, we've got to understand that Elijah knew who he was simply because of what his name meant. And his name meant that my God is Jehovah. My God is Jehovah. The one God. It was as if, it was as if um, you, could, you know, with Elijah's name being like that, you can go and serve your sex God. You can go and serve your sport God. You can go and serve yourself God. But my God is Jehovah. And that's where Elijah stood. And that's where and who he was going to serve. The first point we brought, because of he knew who he was, is this. That my identity in him, in God, means his authority in me. My identity in him means his authority in me. And so simply by his name, Elijah, his name points to who he belonged to, and where his identity lies. But we also discovered that simply because of where he came from and who he was, he stood out. You remember that? That he stood out because of where he was from. He was seen to be a little bit weird. You know, sometimes when we go to another country, for example, New Zealand, bless you, New Zealand. We love you, New Zealand. And we're hoping to come your way real soon. And we're hoping you're coming our way real soon. But you know, when us Aussies go to New Zealand, we kind of stand out a little bit, but it also happens in reverse. When you guys come to us, uh, we certainly know where you're immediately from. Back to the story of Elijah. You see, simply by the way that Elijah looked, the way in which he acted, the way he worked, the way he walked, the way he talked, he stood out. And they thought maybe he was a little bit weird, which brought me to the second point, and that was that my weird can be God's weapon. For good, of course. But my weird can be God's weapon. And that's where we said, isn't it time to embrace our weird? <laughs> we all have a little bit of weird going on, don't we? Just ask my... No, don't, don't, don't ask her. Don't ask her. I think we all know that anyway. But we all have a little bit of weird. And so those were the first two points. But there was a truth to this. We kind of wrapped part one up with the truth. And the truth was this, that standing in the gap for God comes with a level of pressure. You see, standing up for what you believe in, in this fragile and uncertain world, can come with a, with a pressure, uh, with an emotional toll that Elijah certainly experienced. And so the question isn't whether uh, we'll experience pressure. The, cre- the question is, how do we release that pressure? Once again, how do we release that pressure? Let's come back to King Ahab and Jezebel just for a moment. Because Jezebel kind of takes the reins and she sends this message a little bit like a a death threat to Elijah that I'm going to come and make it my life's mission to kill you. Whoa, that's a pretty strong message to hear. 
And of course, when Elijah hears this, he, and this is a little bit bizarre for Elijah, because there are a number of characteristics you would use to describe Elijah, but afraid. He was afraid, and he runs, because that's a fair bit of pressure to carry. And of course, he's been battling a fair bit as well, and so this fearless, courageous prophet by the way, who had strength to stand face to face with an evil king, you remember the story, who had the faith to survive the drought, who had the courage to call down fire from heaven, is now what? Is running away from where God positioned him, afraid for his life. Come on. Let's be honest here for a moment because I actually think there's this an illusion. There's an illusion that the people who God uses never feel any fear. And that's the great thing about this story. In fact, I think it's the great thing about the Bible and what it teaches that it presents to us uh, people that we can relate to. James 5 verse 17 says that Elijah was a man, was a human, just like you and I. And so even the strongest human courage is a limited resource. You remember what I said a couple of weeks ago, that faith is, in fact, isn't the absence of fear, but it's the presence of a stronger trust in a greater God. Faith isn't the absence of fear, it's the presence of a stronger trust in a greater God, even when you are facing your greatest fear. Which brings us to today's passage. You see, as we read this passage today, what we're going to discover are key phrases that God spoke to Elijah as he ran away from the place from which he was supposed to be. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning, and it's this, that I love how God doesn't beat him up whilst he's running away. It shares the father heart of God here. And so... Let's take a look at what Elijah does next. He's running not for his life, but from his life. Elijah, let's have a read of his ongoing story. We find it in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 5 to 9. If you have your Bibles, feel free. 1 Kings 19, 5 to 9. It will be on the screen as it is there right now. Let's go. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping... An angel touched him and told him, say this with me, get up and eat. What's he to do? Get up and eat. He looked around, verse 6, and there besides his head was some bread baked, gluten-free, of course, bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. Bread baked and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down Again, this is the first scripture in, uh, this is the first reference to scripture, by the way, of the snooze button. This one's for you, Wayne. All right, I hope you're getting and feeling better real soon. So he, he pushes the snooze button. Uh, verse 7 Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him how much? Enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Once again, I love God's reaction. He threw the angel, of course, that 
what God doesn't do through the angel is rebuke him. He doesn't bring about shame upon him. There's that sense of compassion, but also we've identified that God's provision is still very much there for Elijah's life. It's as if God is saying, hey, Elijah, I know you're headed away from where you're called to be, and I know that you're afraid when you need to have that courage to step into that and being courageous, but I love you enough to feed you and to put food in your path that you can't miss it. You see, Elijah, you're not called to be fearless, but you are called to be faithful. And by the way, by the way, the reason that maybe some of us are dominated by fear in our lives isn't because we don't have enough faith. It's simply because we're not feeding the faith that we have. You see, you cannot walk in courage when your courage is malnourished. You see, eventually, if you believe the lies that you're telling yourself uh, long enough, if you believe those thoughts that keep going round and around, if you keep watching the news or reading the news long enough, if you keep scrolling through the feed, if you keep doing those kind of things, guess what? You will end up weak. And maybe you will end up running for your life as we find in Elijah. And so no wonder that fear ends up dominating our lives. It's a bit like a seed. You see, when you feed it, it will grow. And so when we feed our courage, that's what happens. And here at Door of Hope, we encourage us each and every day, 20 minutes in the chair. We call it daily hope. Daily hope, 20 minutes in the chair. It's where we receive God's power by consuming his promises over our lives. It encourages us. And so when we feed our faith, our fear will not stand a chance in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. And so here's what God wants Elijah to do. This is the third lesson lesson that we can learn from Elijah's story. And it's this. Get up. And eat. (laughs) Get up and eat. What was God's instruction through the angel? To strengthen yourself, Elijah, with the food that I have provided. And so if you find yourself running from what God has called you to, the word of the Lord to you this morning is this. Get up and eat. In other words, for Elijah, his ability... And his authority to live and to lead well was linked with his ability to feed well. Elijah's pressure is released through physical and spiritual nourishment in the presence of the Almighty God. How easy, if you think about the story for a moment, you think, how easy could God have made this for Elijah? What did he do? He baked bread and put it right by his head. Can I show you today's modern version of this? It's this. We're offering, off, uh, often carrying these around with us. We're often looking at these. We're offering, often putting these to our ears. We're often putting these to our bedside tables right next to our heads. And the word for us today, 
because you can download you know, most things for free these days, including the YouVersion Bible app. And it's free, and it's sitting right by our heads. And the word for God for you today, I believe, is this, is to get up and eat, because it's right by your head. God says, I'll even cook it for you, but what I need you to do is to chew, to chew on it. Once again, we receive God's power by consuming his promises Daily hope, 20 minutes in the chair. And so I love this story, how God's interested in our physical state. It's not rocket science, is it? Then maybe God's best for you tonight and maybe this week. Listen, it's this. is to, to get a good night's sleep. God's interested in our physical state. Can I ask you another question? How are you going with honoring the Sabbath? You know, when God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh, how much more for us as his creation do you think we need to honor that Sabbath, to honor that rest? And can I say once again, if you are feeling the pressure of life and it's coming to you, a, a way to release the valve of that pressure once again, is, is rest, is sleep, is honoring the Sabbath, but exercise, um, eating well, and things like that. God is interested in, the physical, in our physical state. As we see him come to Elijah in the form of an angel, God's also interested in our spiritual state through worship, through one of these pathways I'm about to share with you, through worship. Maybe that's your pathway where you connect with God. Maybe it's prayer where you just love to sit or write or be creative in some way in prayer to God. Maybe that's your pathway. Maybe it's the Word of God where you open that and it just really speaks to you. Maybe you're a nature lover. You love to get out into nature and you love to hug those trees or whatever it is. You, you love to be a nature, you're a nature lover. And uh, I want to ask you this morning, where does God want to meet you? Where is it? Maybe it's one of those. I wonder what your pathway is to help release that pressure. You see, when we come into his presence, it's then that we start to see from his perspective. But not only that, we really start to slow down and to be still and to know that he is good and that he is God. And we start to hear the whispers of God. We start to hear his voice. And so once again, if you're feeling that pressure, like Elijah, remember that his, his presence releases my pressure. What's the word for us today? It's to get up and what? Remember, get up and eat. The story goes on. Let's read on in verse 9. It says this. There he came to a cave. Everyone say cave. Cave, very good. Where he what? He spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? By the way, by the way, God doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answer. God asks questions because he wants us to know the answer. You know, Scripture teaches uh, us that confession is good for the soul. Revealing our feelings starts to begin that healing process, doesn't it? And so what God's trying to do here is to allow Elijah to voice his problem. What are you doing here, Elijah? Do you think God doesn't know? What are you doing here, Elijah? He wants him 
to, to voice those things that have been stirring up inside and caused him to run, to cause him to be in the cave, those lies that he has been believing. Let's talk about a cave for a moment. Have you ever been in a cave? Have you been to a cave? I've been out to our Mole Creek Caves. Have you ever been out there? I think it's King Solomon Cave and places like that. You know, you go in, it's quite dark, it's quite cold and any noise has a bit, a bit of an echo. And, uh, you know, could, uh, what's, what's a cave? What does a cave represent, I wonder, in this story? I think a lot of things. I wonder what a cave could represent in your story. I think a cave represents maybe safety or what we think. Maybe Elijah thought was safety. Uh, isolation, of course. Um, uh, loneliness. Maybe we go to the cave of life with our bitterness. You see, fear locks people in caves. And in caves, fear has a chance against Elijah. I'll come back to that just in a moment. The story goes on. What, what did God say? Well, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. True. Tick, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. True, tick, torn down your altars. True, tick, and killed every one of your prophets. True, tick. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Only half kind of true. You can hear what stirred up in the life of Elijah, where he's saying, I've been doing all the work false. I'm the only one who cares false. I'm the only one who can get this job done false. Can you see what Elijah's believing here in his mind? He's believing the lies, his emphasis in what he has done for God, indicates to us that he's experiencing what I'm going to call burnout. Burnout. You've experienced burnout? You know, where you're lacking the energy and even motivation to, to stand for God in the gap because I'm drained and I've burned out and I've done everything because nobody else is stepping up to the plate. You see and you can hear the pressure that's eating away at Elijah's faith. And I love how God addresses this once again in Elijah, not with criticism, but he kind of encourages him. In verse 11, the story goes on. Let's read on. This is pretty simple instruction from God to Elijah to go out and stand. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. Get out of the cave. The Lord told him, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were turned loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. I would love to have seen that. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. I'd love to have seen that. And after the earthquake, earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the... I'd love to have seen that. And after the fire, there was a sound of a... See, sometimes, sometimes when we're at our lowest, 
God speaks softest? Why does God speak soft in our lives? Because he's not far. He's at his nearest. He is with us. He's close. And he can whisper. See, the devil shouts lies whilst God whispers the truth. In verse 13, verse 13, the story goes on. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, By the way, let's just pause there for a moment. Can I ask you, do you have a cave story? If so, what is your cave story? In your 20 minutes in the chair this week, can I encourage you to work through that in your journaling, to write it down, maybe share it with somebody? What is your cave story? Have you been in the cave long enough? And what I mean by that, have you been believed in the lies that have been spoken over your life long enough. Because I'm here, and I believe the word of God for you today, if that is you, if you have a cave story, it is this. Come out of the cave. Come out of the cave. Come out onto the mountain. You see, what, what some of us are doing, listen, what some of us are doing, we're looking through the rear vision mirror. How big is the rear vision mirror compared to that of the front screen. It's tiny. Forget looking through the rear vision mirror. Look towards all that's ahead. And the word of the Lord for you today, if you have a cave story, is this. Come out of the cave and come out into the mountain and to see the expansiveness that God has for you. God speaks to Elijah. You still have work to do Elijah as he comes out. Verse 15 to 19, the story goes on. Then the Lord told him, go back the same way you came and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Hazael to be king of Aram. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be king of Israel, and anoint... Boom. Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Maholah, to replace you as my prophet. Anyone who escapes from Hazael will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. I love how this goes. So Elijah went. Elijah went. What's the instructions to Elijah? Is to eat, stand, and to get back to work. What are they? To eat, stand, and to do what prophets are meant to do. Do what God's people are meant to do. What God, let me just kind of summarize what we've just read. This last little bit. 
while, what God is saying is, while you're in the cave, I made a plan for you, Elijah. Not only to deal with your enemies, but I've made a retirement plan for you. I have it all worked out for you. With a guy with a, a name so much like yours. In fact, there's only two letters that separate you. Well, one letter, however you look at it. It's the S and the J. Your name's Elijah. His name's Elisha. Guess what, Elijah? I have it all worked out. Fear not. Fear not. I understand. Did somebody say that once? Did I read that somewhere where it's mentioned 365 times in the Bible, that command to fear not. Fear not, for I am with you, says the Lord. You think about this for a moment. What did Elijah fear the most? What was he running from? From dying. From dying. His greatest fear of all was something he never even experienced. He was one of only two people in all of Scripture who never died. Uh, Enoch was the other one. I mentioned that a few weeks ago. Uh, Jesus, of course, died but rose from the dead. But Enoch and Elijah were the two people in all of Scripture who never died. Died. And if you read the story, it would say that God sent the chariot of fire from the sky and swept him up and took him onto glory, and he never experienced his greatest fear. Let's bring it home. Let's bring it home. Because the reality is this for many of you, your greatest fear is something you will never, ever experience on earth. Because God will lift you up above it. Now, having said that, even if, even if your greatest what if does come to pass, He will be with you. He will be with you. Which brings us to the final lesson of the character of, from the character of Elijah, and it's this: that who I stand before empowers me to stand for. That. Who I stand before empowers me to stand for. See, what God did was bring, bring him onto the mountain to show him that he is the all-powerful God, that the giver of life is also the provider of life through bread and water. But as we refer to this glue stick one more time, the truth is about this gap filler. And it's this. Hang in there just for a couple more moments that there is no way that this gap filler can get out of this without what? Without me, its owner, putting a little bit of pressure and adding a little bit of my power. You see, the lesson we learn from this is this. It's only when it's in the hand of the maker that it becomes useful, that it becomes powerful, because it's in the preparation. Remember, we talked about renovating. It's in the preparation that, in fact, in the long run, we actually get a better product. So at the start, you have to make a little bit of mess. You have to dig in. You have to scrape down. But those kind of things take time. So you get the pressure, the power. You get the mess. You get the time. But then you put in the hard work and you're willing to be used. You get the results. It's only when God brings that word of encouragement through our daily bread, through our daily hope, through that empowerment 
from the promises of his word that we could possibly stand in the gap for him. And Paul reminds the church in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 6 to 7, that I planted the seed, Paul says, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. Who? God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But only God who makes things grow. You see, it's who I stand before that empowers me to stand for. Let's reflect on Elijah's life and his legacy just for a moment. Because Elijah's life actually ends with him ultimately unsuccessful in turning Israel around from corruption. In fact, what happens is they end up falling into idolatry and injustice at a whole new level after he's gone. It's quite a sad story in regards to God's people, which I think brings us to the biggest lesson. We've had four, but I think I've got one more power punch for you. And it's this. I think the biggest lesson is this to learn from is that as we seek to be gap fillers for God, is that God doesn't call us to bring his full purpose to pass. But God calls us to play our part in his purpose. Is God speaking to you this morning? I hope he is. Maybe with that this morning. Because, yeah, Elijah was faithful. Elijah was loyal. And Elijah was obedient to what God asked of him. Yes, he ultimately understood, though, that God alone would bring about his purpose to pass. And this is what he prays just before the fire miracle. Let's go back in 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 36 to 37. It says, at the time of sacrifice the prophet Elijah stepped forward. That's maybe what some of you need to do in life. When you sense that fear rise over your life, step into it. Take a step into it. Know who you are. Know what God has called you to do in this life and fulfill that in faith. Step away and step into it in Jesus' name. Step forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Here's the truth. And the truth is this, that only God can turn hearts back to him. Only God can build his church. Only God can restore and renew all of creation back to himself. Only God brings his full purpose to pass. But praise be to God. Praise be to God. He calls you and I to be a part of his purpose. And you see, if we are faithful, And if we are obedient, guess what? God will protect as we've learned from Elijah's story. God will provide and his purpose will be served in and through us. You see, Elijah's story and his experiences give us the keys to play our part. Firstly, to embrace our identity, to redeem our weird, to reside in his presence, 
to rely on his power. And the mandate of Elijah was to what? To stand in the gap for God for good. My final encouragement before I have a few questions for you to consider is this. Is this. Church, let's be gap fillers. Let's be gap fillers and play our part in his purpose to the glory of our God in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen.